Welcome to the Deep Dive, where we take a look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church, via teaching, interviews, and conversations. My goal here is to stimulate the thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that he who has an ear to hear will hear. I am your host, Donald Reimer. A friend pointed out to me that we have left the industrial age and now are in the age of information because of the internet. One would think that such a modern marvel as the internet that would bring in a new age of enlightenment as well. However, along with good information, there has been an influx of conspiracy theories, fake news. Anyone can get a broadcast and say anything, whether they are experts in that field or not. This is what I call a new dark ages, an age where conspiracy theories lies rule, where we are guided by our fears and feelings, and like those in the just fear and superstition rather than reason and objective truth rule. It produced crusades, inquisitions, and religious con games did abound. This is what happens when there is no baseline for truth. So how did we get here? And is there a way back? These answers, I'm turning to the Bible. That's my baseline for truth. That's my compass. That's my true north, is the word of God. Romans 1 explains to us what happens when truth is rejected. Verse 16 of Romans 1 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. Verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Those three verses are power-packed. Verse 16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God. If you're searching for power or seeking power to preach the gospel, to see it transform people's lives, God's power has been invested in the gospel. It's not invested anywhere else. He's invested his power in the gospel for salvation. For to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ and to bring them into salvation, that's what you need. You need the gospel. That's where God's power lies. Now, the gospel reveals two things. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It reveals to us that the righteousness that God demands is a righteousness that comes by faith. The second thing it reveals Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So it is a, what gets people in trouble is the suppression of truth. It's when we know what is true and we don't obey it. According to the scriptures, I'm going to read on here a little bit further and give you some examples. According to the scriptures, 
when you reject truth or light, as sometimes it's referred to in the scripture, you go into darkness. In other words, every time you turn away from truth, you lose a little bit of an ability to discern what is true. And eventually, if you walk away from the truth altogether, you go into complete darkness. And now you get to a point you can't tell fact from fiction, truth from lie, because there's been a suppression of truth. As we read on here, you see in verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. So God had revealed himself in nature. He reveals himself in the word of God. People can learn from nature and just through natural things. God has revealed himself in these things. So that nobody can make an excuse. For although, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So there's two cardinal sins going on here. Number one, they did not honor God as God. They didn't give him the proper place. They knew him, but they refused to honor him, give him his proper due as God. That is, they would not worship him. The second thing they did, they wouldn't give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There it is. The wrath of God is not always fire and brimstone and the ground opening up and swallowing you into the ground. In some cases, the wrath of God is when you go into darkness. God hands you over to your own lie. He gives you up to it and says, here, you believe a lie? All right, here it is. Continue to believe it. And you spiritually go into darkness. That means that you start to lose discernment. And after a while... Right becomes wrong, and wrong becomes right. Now you may say, well, Brother Reimer, this is talking to the unsaved. That's true. But I believe the same thing applies to even believers. When we get saved, and even more so because we're supposed to know the truth. We've got the Bible, right? we got nature and the Bible. And if God is allowing this to happen to people who don't know him in terms of having the Bible, and just because of their rejection of the, of what he's revealed to him about himself in nature, can you imagine what it is to have the Bible read it and say, oh, as a believer, I'm not going to buy into this. Or you don't agree with it or you don't like it. And so you reject the truth that God has revealed to you in his word. I believe the same thing will happen to us, that we will, our hearts will get hard and we will also lose discernment and go into darkness. <laughs> And look what it says here, verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals. So now you have an exchange. You're exchanging the truth and for a lie. There's a, there's a trade-off here. So if you believe lies, then that means you're trading the truth for it and you prefer to believe a lie. You know, one thing about conspiracy theories is they, they're very complicated, very complicated. And there's a scientific term, and I'll get back to the, why I like science, and I think science 
is a good thing. But like anything, there's good science and there's bad science. There's good truck drivers, there's bad truck drivers. There's good police, there are bad police. There, are, Well, people wouldn't believe it, but yes, there are good lawyers and politicians and there are bad lawyers and politicians. So I don't completely discount science. In fact, I like science. I embrace it. But we'll get to that in another uh, broadcast. Having said that, as Christians and as believers, we can exchange truth for a lie, and then we go into darkness. And there's a scientific term called Occam's razor, simply saying that all things being equal, the simplest explanation is probably the truth. And the simplicity of the gospel is very simple. I read it and I'm like, well, this is simple. It's not complicated. But people don't like simple. They want complicated. And so they even take the Bible and try to complicate that with Bible codes and secret hidden messages and and try to find conspiracy theories in it, etc. And we'll deal with that in another segment as well as why we shouldn't do that. Bad idea. But as for now, just know that when we reject truth, we go into spiritual darkness. And that's bared out in Romans 1. Now let's look at a few other scriptures that that support this uh, particular point of view. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, that verse that I just read there, that verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. So if you're not a believer, you're already condemned, doomed from the womb. The condemnation is already there from birth. So Christ didn't come into the world to condemn it. He didn't have to because the world was already considered a disaster area by God and had already been condemned and soon to be renovated and to be fixed up. But he wanted to redeem man before he did it. So he sent Christ into the world to give us an opportunity to be redeemed. So the world was condemned already. Now, verse 19 gives us, this is God's indictment. If we were handing you a subpoena, if we were handing you a summons to court, this is what you would read when God summons you to court. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's God's indictment against us. This is the condemnation. Why are we condemned? Because truth or light in the form of Christ, in the form of the Holy Scriptures, has come into the world, and people have rejected it. They said, no, nah, we don't care. Now, you say, I'm a believer. Okay, but if you're a Christian and you read a part of the Bible and you reject it because you don't like it or you don't want to live it, that's the same thing as rejecting truth. And the Bible says you're condemned because the condemnation is that truth or light has come into the world and you have chosen darkness rather than light. Hear me real good, saints. God does not send people to hell for lying, stealing, cheating, and those other things. Now, those are sins. They will get you in trouble with God, yes. 
But the root, those are the fruit of sin. But the root of sin, as John the Baptist said, now let's put the axe to the root of the tree. The root of the sin, the root of the adultery, the root of the lying, the root of the killing, the root of the living ungodly life. The root cause of all of that is the rejection of truth. Light has come into the world. Truth has come into the world. You know you shouldn't lie. You know you shouldn't commit adultery. You know you shouldn't uh, steal or cheat. You know you shouldn't do those things, but you choose to do them anyway. So the condemnation started when you made a conscious decision to do what you knew you shouldn't do. So even before you've done it, you put yourself into darkness. And that's why if you notice, the more you do things, the easier it becomes to do. It becomes a habit. And so the more you do wrong, after a while, you just sort of accept it and say, well, this is the way it is. And that's why some things are so hard to break, because we push ourselves away from Christ. However, if we're willing and obedient and, do, and obey the truth that we have, then we'll get more truth. That's how that works. Let's take a look at the 8th gospel, 8th chapter of the gospel of John. Let's take a look at that. John 8.31 says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, which is truth or light, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, that truth sets you free. Truth enlightens. It gives you strength to do the right thing. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never seen, been enslaved to anyone. That was the, 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 the attitude of the, of the religious people. And he says, how was it that you, will be, that you will be free, that you say we have to be free? We're not slaves to anybody. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And so, if you commit sin, if you, if you choose to do the wrong thing by rejecting truth, it always starts with the rejection of some truth. I look at the truth, I see it but I'm not going to live by it. I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then you go into darkness. You become a slave to, to what your, your, your choices are. But then verse 36, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And so you want to be set free by the truth. The power of the truth, it sets free. Let's look at chapter 9, verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment I am came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind then some of the religious people said near him heard these things and said to him are we also blind jesus said to them if you were blind you would have no guilt but now you say we see and so your guilt remains what jesus is actually saying there saints is he came into the world so that people who can't see to give them light because there are people who don't have the truth in abundance. They don't know a lot of stuff. That's why missionaries crisscross the world. That's why God reveals himself through dreams and visions around the globe to people, etc. Now, having said that, that's what Christ needs to do. Now, that's what Christ came to do. 
But however, it works the opposite direction. Those people who are religious, who have had the truth and have had the light for so long, then what happens is you begin to lose your ability to know the truth. So I was right. It affects even the church or even the Christians. People are supposed to know the truth. It affects them. Well, there's some cool background effects there. Don't know exactly where that's coming from, but okay. It's just there. This is a pilot program, so I'm not going to worry about that just yet. Cleaning that up. So yes, when you reject the truth, you go into darkness. And Jesus said, those who think they see, those who are religious, who know everything, and think they have no sin, I'm perfect, I'm living the right life, when Christ comes to you and shows you areas where you're wrong, you have to be willing to change. I've been saved now for 51 years. The Lord saved me when I was 10, and I've stayed saved. There's no backsliding or going back or any of that craziness. I haven't said I haven't sinned, but I've never backslid. I never walked away from him. Having said that, I started out believing certain things at 10. Even when I, and then I went through high school, I had to learn some more things. And I went to Bible college, I had to learn some more things. But even since Bible college, I have changed my views over certain things over the years. And why is that? Because I'm committed to the truth. I don't care who says it. I don't care what, whether it's an Arminian camp or Calvinist camp, a reform camp. I don't care where it comes from. If it's true, I accept it, period. I will not reject truth once I understand it to be truth. However, Jesus does put in a sort of escape clause in there. He says, if you don't know what's true, then God doesn't hold that against you. But once you know what's true, you're required to obey it. And here's how this works. If you obey the truth that you have, God will give you more truth. And the more you obey the truth, the more truth you get. And so even if you don't know Christ, and you're just simply obeying the, what you believe to be true, or what you see as true, your perceptions, and you're doing the best you can, God's going to give you more truth. And eventually, eventually, it will lead you to Christ. I'm pretty certain of that. So just keep following truth, embracing truth, standing by what is true. And eventually, God will bring you around. For those of you who are saved, we have to be committed to the truth. I'm not going to hold an Arminian theology if I find there's a flaw in it. I'm not going to hold to a Calvinist theology if I find a flaw in it. I'm not going to hold to any type of eschatology, whether it's a futurist, pre-post, mid-pre-trib rapture, if I find there's error in it. When I find error, I try to clean it up. I keep an open mind, I try to hear what other people are saying, and I try to learn and grow as best I can and cling to what I understand to be true. Now, the things that you don't quite get or not sure of, don't worry about it. Don't panic. Those are not things that you need to worry about. But you need to know that what you do understand to be true, God calls us to obey those particular things. All right, let's move on here and look at some other scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 to 12 says this, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, 
with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deceptions for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth, and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now the Bible speaks of the coming of the lawless one, which people call the Antichrist. It's going to be with demonic, it's going to be a satanic. And with all power, signs and lying wonders, even the ability to work miracles and signs, but they're going to be lies, they're going to be designed to deceive, to take you away from the truth. Verse 10, with all wicked deception, all the wicked deception, the devil's going to pull out all his bag of tricks to lead you astray. And But who gets led astray? For those who are perishing. And here's why the devil will be able to trick people. It says it right here. The reason why he can fool them with the signs and lying wonders and deception, because they refuse, and the reason why they're perishing, because they refuse to love the truth. It's sort of like the courtroom drama with a few good men. I want the truth. You know, you can't handle the truth. And so, deception, perishing, lying signs of wonders become effective against us when we, when we refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Look at verse 11. Now, here's what gets me. Therefore, God, not the devil, God, not the devil, God, not the devil, sends them strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that they all may be condemned, because they did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There was a rejection of what was true. God revealed something to you. He showed you something. You rejected it. And God says, okay, I'm not talking about a one-time rejection. I'm talking about habitual over and over and over again. After a period of time, God will hand you over to your own delusion. God will send you strong delusion. God will cause you to believe in your own life because there's something God is trying to reveal to you. God, something, something God wants you to repent of, and you refuse to turn away from it. And as a result, you go into darkness and you start to believe conspiracy theories you start to believe fake news. You start to believe lies. You start to believe things that aren't true. You start to see enemies where there are none. You start to see deep state. You start to see all these crazy things that people are coming up with now that the church is running behind. This is how we got here, a rejection of truth. I'm going to give you one more scripture, and then we're going to do some other things. 1 Kings 22. Ahab and the false prophets. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, who was a righteous king, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And of course, Ahab is the wicked king. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the Syrians? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me? to battle at Ramoth-Gilead. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat, the righteous king, was smart enough to say, before we start fighting people, let's inquire first the word of the Lord. Let's hear what God is saying first. 
So then the king of Israel gathered together the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now Jehoshaphat knew that these prophets were nothing more than sycophants. They were only there to tell Ahab what he wanted to hear, not really the word of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat says, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord whom we can inquire? Verse 8, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah the son of Imlah. Now, you got to understand, Ahab has given us a clue. If the false prophets told him to go up and conquer, he already knows that when Micaiah shows up, Micaiah is going to give him a different story. Like, no, don't go up and conquer. And he knows that Micaiah always tells him the truth. So, he has to know what is true. He knows he shouldn't go with the Ramoth Gilead. He wants to go up there for whatever reason. And he's willing to believe the lying prophets, even though he knows these guys are off. So he already knows the truth before Micaiah even gets there. It's by implication in the text. Verse 9, And then the king of Israel summoned an officer, said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Verse 10, Now the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, was sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor, the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. So the lying prophets are still going on. And Zedekiah, the son of Chinana, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead, triumph, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. You see, the true prophets of God are not sycophants. They're going to come in and tell you what God says, whether it's good news or bad news. They're just going to lay out the truth for you. Those are the people you want in your life. People who are going to look you square in the eye and read you and tell you the, the truth about yourself or about what needs to be done, etc. I'm not talking about being brutally honest. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. I get that. But people that really love you are going to look you in the eye and they're going to lay out the truth and say, here's what's happening. This is what you need to do, etc. Or this is what's wrong with you or this is the mistakes that you made. Even if they get you mad. Like the old preachers used to say, if you can make it, if you can take it. If you can take it, you can make it. So verse 15, And when he had come to the king, the king said to Micaiah, Shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And Micaiah said to him, Go up and triumph, the Lord will give it into your hand, the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So right there, he knew that Micaiah, the fact that Micaiah told him what the other prophets had said. That means Ahab knew the other prophets were lying, and he knew what Micaiah was saying was a lie. Because he said, that's a lie, now tell me the truth. So have a king, Ahab, who's already rejected the truth. 
Now look what happens when he rejects the truth. Look what God does to him. Verse 17, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as a sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master, let each return to his home in peace. In other words, Ahab, if you go up there, you're going to get you're going to die. That's what God is saying. Okay. So now, twice he's revealed to us that he knows the truth. Then when Micaiah gives him the truth, he rejects it again. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, I knew it. Did I not tell you he would prophesy, he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. So again, he reveals to us, this is four times already, and we see that he knows what's right from wrong to wrong. Verse 19, Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out, hear it, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And he said, That is God, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, Micaiah says, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. And as a result of that, Micaiah got thrown in jail. True prophets don't care about consequences of what people think. They come in and they tell you what God has said. But look at the story. What does it say in Thessalonians? Therefore, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie because they did not receive the love of the truth. And because they did not receive that love of the truth, God sent them strong delusion that they would believe a lie. And you see that played out, where God sends a lying spirit into the mouth of the prophet so that he could send Ahab up there to destroy him at Ramoth Gilead. This is why it is dangerous to reject truth. This is how we got here in the body of Christ. There has been a deep, rejection of the truth. Now, our next broadcast, I'll go into those areas in which the church has rejected truth. They have rejected the gospel message. And I'll just give you a little preview of it now. In Jeremiah 2, you might want to do some reading on this. Uh, you can. It's in verses one through thirteen and, and verse nineteen. But here's what the, the prophet Jeremiah says. He said, "Be astonished, heavens! Be amazed, for my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And number two, they have made to themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water." Next broadcast, we will discuss forsaking Christ, the fountain of living waters, and then making our own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Thank you for listening in, and we'll go to part two. When that comes out, you'll well, we'll begin to deal with how we got here and what areas the church has come up short, particularly here in the West and why we're in the mess that we're in right now.
because the church is looking pretty bad right now and looking like we're cray cray as far as the world is concerned. The gospel's already offensive enough as it is. We do not need to add to the offense of the gospel. You don't want to add anything to it or make it more difficult than it already is for some people to receive it. We are God's representation on the earth. We are to reflect Christ. And yet the hatred and the venom that come out of believers towards people who don't hold our position, who don't believe as we believe, is unbelievable. And then we, 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 turn, we try to flip the script and make ourselves the victim. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it will hate you. So yes, of course the world's going to hate us. Of course the world's going to reject us. That's par for the course. That comes with the territory. You know, those who, those who follow Christ, it says that believers will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. Relax. Don't freak out when it starts happening. It just means you're in the right place. But here's what we don't do. Because we're being persecuted, we don't have the right now to turn around and persecute those who are persecuting us. And to turn against them and try to destroy and crush them. So we'll be looking at some areas next uh, next podcast. And we'll be discussing why and how we got here. Yes, I will have some guests on the show sometimes. We're going to do all of that. But right now I just want you to get used to hearing me. Getting to understand who I am. And where I'm at theologically. And then we'll be bringing in some guests even some with contrary views to mine. And we'll learn how as believers to discuss things in a civil manner, not necessarily agree with each other on every single point, but we don't have to become hateful towards one another. We can still leave and and have a differences of opinion on a particular point, and we can still love each other. But I'm finding that Christians are on Facebook and social media hurtling insults at each other, accusing the other one of being condemned to hell and everything else because we have not learned how to have spiritual discussions, vigorous debates without dividing ourselves from one another or unfriending each other, etc. So how did we get here? How did the church get into this? And how can we get ourselves out? It starts by accepting the truths that are in Holy Writ Scripture. That's our baseline for truth. Not the media, not social media, not some guy doing a podcast, but the Bible. Let's look into the scriptures and see what that says. And we accept that truth, and that's our baseline. That's where we start. And from that point on, as we accept that, then we can grow. And then we can begin to know what is truth and how to walk in it. God bless you and thank you for listening in. My name is Donald Reimer and hoping to hear and see from you next broadcast. God bless.